The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. It's the show where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city and oftentimes other cities as well. If you like this show, subscribe to us. I should say follow us. That's what we do. We don't subscribe to podcasts anymore. We follow them. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your shows. By the way, if you're interested in your own podcast, please visit pod617.com. It's the Boston Podcast Network, and we can make you the next big podcast star. We'll send you out a microphone. You can do it from the comfort of your own home, pod617.com. In pod, we trust. Well, listen, we've got a great guest today, and always nice when I get to talk to somebody from the great state of Texas. Because I, my guest doesn't know this yet. I was married in the state of Texas. Did you know that, Latanya? I bet you didn't. Right. Please welcome to the show author, children's book author, speaker, and educator, Latanya Brooks. How are you today? Pretty good. Pretty good. If not for the allergies, would you be, would you be better? <laughs> yeah, I would sound a lot different. But before we started recording, we were commiserating with the emphasis on misery uh, about our allergies. And this is a bad time of year for allergies. I get them all the time. I was trying to talk uh, Latanya off the ledge and say, don't worry. Eventually, you know, your face comes back into shape and everything, right? So you, you're a native of, of Texas, correct? Yes, I am. And how did you get into this field? Education, children's books. And I should also mention, she is the architect of Grow With STEM. Find out more at growwithstem.com, promoting STEM awareness and social emotional learning by designing books that uh, promote those things. I, I admit I had to look it up because I forgot. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we got it. I wrote it on my whiteboard so I wouldn't forget. It has nothing to do with stem cell research. That, that's uh, that's uh, where I could have gotten confused. Anyways, tell us, please. I'm going to stop talking. Tell us how you got into it and all that. Okay, the way I got into education was really, I guess it was a fluke that I stayed in it because I was in a career and, well, no, I had a job. It wasn't a career. And I decided that I wanted to do something different. So I was going, to, I went to school to get my master's in uh, business. While I was in school, I decided to teach. So I was getting, I was going to school for my master's at the same time I'd gotten my certification. So I was like, okay, I will do this until I graduate and then I'll do what I really want to do. But once I got into teaching, I really, really enjoyed it. What? And how old were the kids you were teaching at that time? 11 and 12. Okay. I taught seven and eighth grade and I was teaching technology. So that's really, technology is really a fun subject to teach. So I think that helped it. And I looked at some of the positives as well. I had two kids at the time. I was a single mom. And it really, to be on the same schedule with my kids. And I saw those benefits. And then uh, every time I tried to leave education, I just couldn't because I was so in love with what I did with the kids and the impact that was making. So I went ahead and got my master's. I believe in finishing what you started. Mm. And so as I taught, I taught technology, web design. 
robotics, programming. So uh, I just had a blast and I'm still having a blast doing that. But one day I decided that I wanted to write a book, but it didn't come to years later because I didn't really know what I wanted to write books on. I, I just knew that, that that creative side in me uh, was just trying to come out. And then I was like, okay, I want to write books, but about what? Mm. So I started uh, being involved in these STEM initiatives in Houston, Texas and HISD, where they would fly us to all the different places and we would learn how to implement school into the districts and how to get people interested and children uh, interested and to uh, really let them know what STEM is. And during this initiative and all of the things that I had been doing around the district, I decided that I can write books about STEM-related careers. And that would actually broaden the scope of what I was trying to do that I could take my education outside of the district and take it worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my book is, uh, most of the books that I write is about children pursuing STEM-related careers. Mm. So when give us some highlights. Like when did you really fall in love with education? Was there a particular kid or a particular moment where it finally hit you and said, man, this is this is what it's all about? Well, that first year that I actually taught, they had me hooked the first year. So I was teaching, I was brought in to teach technology applications. And that's like just the little simple apps like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, stuff like that. So I was about to leave on my winter break and the principal called me in and was like, oh yeah, I want you to teach web design when you come back. And I was like, okay. And and I was like, okay, is there any software that the district has for this? Oh, no. I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to teach this. I'm a first-year teacher, and I'm going to have to gather my own resources. Okay. So instead of spending my two weeks of winter break resting, I spent my two weeks strategizing. Oh, my God, what am I going to do first year? So anyway, I came back. I didn't have any software, so I was like, okay, notepad is free. So I taught students to write just simple code from notepad. Mm. And I, I taught them, the ta- we went over the tags and then they saw programming language for the first time. They saw these words on the page turn into a red page with a yellow, big yellow heading. It's like, wow. And from there, I noticed that there was one student and they know that I didn't have resources. So this student, Bobby, would come running to my class and he had like this stack of like five books that his mom bought him. He would run to my class with all these books in his hand. He was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Mm. And so I, some of my other students about that's what, when my space was big. And so I had students that was bringing, taking code from my space. They learned how to go into my space and, and dissect code and bring it into what they were doing. And then I had one student that was, very rebellious. I would say she didn't like me, but then I found that she just didn't like anybody. But by the end of the year, she was like my biggest fan. Mm. And I told her that I was leaving the district and she was like, well, I'm going to find you. You can't hide from me. <laughs> but she she was one of those. And I, and I ended up giving her an award for most improved because she came and she didn't want to do anything. And by the time she left out of my class, she had already coded her uh, first web page and her whole attitude changed. She, I, I went to my teacher's box 
And I guess she had another teacher put a note in my box and it was like, this, it was a letter where she was apologizing for her previous behavior. And she was just thanking me for mm-hmm. the class. And when I nominated her for that award, I told her, she was like, why did you do that? I'm not going to show up. I said, yes, you are. And I'm going to be there. So she, so I showed up and she had like this black hoodie and she had her head down and she had her hands inside of the hoodie mm-hmm. and she just walked there with her head down with her hoodie on. And then she went there she got her award on stage and then she took the hoodie off and I could tell she was looking around and she was looking for me mm-hmm. and she stopped me. And I smiled at her and waved. Mm-hmm. She smiled and put the hoodie back on. <laughs> put the hoodie back on, walked off stage, mm-hmm. got her little certificate, and went on out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I knew that I had a big impact on students that had shaped their futures. Yeah. They don't take the hoodie off for just anyone. Do you ever hear from your old students? Sometimes I do. They'll reach out to me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Let's talk about your books. The one that caught my eye, I was telling you before we started recording, was Adam Bomb, The Autistic Engineer. And it's about, obviously, someone with, with autism who looks to, well, you write stories of people with disabilities looking to pursue careers related to STEM, right? Is that fair to say? Disabilities and just people that's been marginalized in general. Okay. So my, the love of my life, my beloved son, Adrian, who's 23 and doing great. He has autism. He's always going to need some help. And you don't see, I think maybe in recent years, there's been a lot more of embracing the, the role, role or place, I guess, people with autism have in our, in our community and society and all that. And there's a better understanding of it. I haven't seen too many books. So tell us the inspiration for this book and what what Adam's all about. Okay, this book was inspired by two students and two family members. I um, noticed my cousin, he, at, at, the, at the time he was maybe uh, four or five, he would take things apart. And instead of being upset, I would watch him. He would just like, he was autistic and he was deaf. Mm. So he would just like put the hand up, like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and mm. I would wait and look. And he would take the whole thing and just put it back together again. I was like, okay. And so I just, I was really intrigued with him because people treated him like he was just really disabled. And I just looked at him as someone who just thought differently. Mm-hmm. And he takes in things differently. He processes things differently. And when you think about it, we all do. And so my cousin, I had another cousin. He turned out to be autistic. And then I have two best friends, which is weird because they're both my best friend and both of their kids are autistic. Mm. And one of the kids, I just listened to him and he's very blunt. They're both very blunt. And there's this innocence about the two of them. Mm-hmm. And they just, they, they, they look at people as well-intentioned and they often go into their own world and they once they find something that they enjoy particularly, they are laser focused on it. And sure. so, my cousin, the one who likes used to take things apart, I realized he was taking things apart because of his curiosity. And so that's what the inspiration for Adam Bomb was. He took someone's toy train apart, and that's only because he wanted to see how the parts work together, how it worked. So he, it was his inquisitive nature. 
Mm. And now just to let you know that husband who was about four or five when he was taking these apartment together, he is like one of the number one employees at Home Depot right now. Really? That's great. Yeah. And it's a very nice demonstration and illustration of the way an autistic person's brain functioning differently can be a plus and, and not a minus. And, you know, my, my son gets, they call it, he perseverates on things. You know, he, once they get locked into something, they just like it. So he, my son will, you know, recite, you know, a list of songs and the years they came out, he always gets it perfect. He loves directions. You know, he could, he could probably tell me how to get from here to Texas driving in a car with all the exits and everything because he studies maps. And so, but this is uh, a real step forward, I think, for people to, to recognize that, that autistic people can make great engineers. And it's this concept of neurodiversity, right? That is that people yes. are finally embracing. So what kind of feedback have you gotten on the book so far? I've gotten a lot of feedback from parents of autistic kids. They like fact that in the book, I do give a brief summation of autism. Mm -hmm. It's not simple because you can't look and say, okay, just because this person is autistic, he's going to behave the same way as the next person that's autistic because the characteristics and the traits differ from person to person on and they're different spectrums. Yeah. We used to say, we used to say, if you've met one kid with autism, you've met one kid with autism. That's yes. <laughs> and I actually have a, actually a workbook out based on the book. So it covers all the core curriculum standards, but giving something away, there is a little quiz. It's sort of like a code breaker mm. and you have to break the code. And that's, the, that's actually the answer. You just gave it away. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if you've met one person with autism, you met one person with autism. autism. Yep. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Next time I'll do a spoiler alert. So. And then tell me about, pick out another book that you're proud of. The other book that I'm proud of is Marisol, The Little Girl with a Big Dream. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mar was a girl that, uh, she was Hispanic, Mexican, and she was coming into herself. She read books about pollution in the community, and she decided that she wanted to do something about it. And I think this book is important because us as moms, we want our babies to stay babies forever and it talks it just focuses on the importance of starting those conversations when you're young she, her mom was buying her these dressed up barbie dolls and she didn't want to seem ungrateful but she did she wanted a chemistry set mm. and her aunt noticed this interest that she had when they were at the mall and so she, the aunt decided because the aunt was a lot younger so she decided to ask her so what do you want to be when you grow up and Marisol just lit up. And so it talked about uh, a girl taking her own, taking action in her own future and, and deciding what she wanted to be and actually, actually trying to implement those steps and getting to where she wanted to be by getting this chemistry set. So I think it's important for parent communication, for teachers also to understand that you have to start, when you teach these kids things, don't teach them just to teach them. Teach, don't teach them just so that it can pass the test. Teach them to know, okay, this is going to be used in this field. This is helpful for this. So you have, if you put some context behind it, and that's what I do when I teach coding and teach programming. Some of my students are like, well, Ms. Brooks, I don't want to be a programmer. I don't want to be a coder. I said, no, but what do you want to be? 
And so they'll start telling me, and I was like, okay, so for that, you're going to have to think about things. You're going to have to make decisions. You're going to have to use critical thinking skills. And then we go over the problem-solving loop, and they realize this problem-solving loop is something that can you can use in writing. This is something that you can use in the medical field, in the engineering field. So you don't have to be a programmer to learn how to think critically and think logically. The books are available if you go to growwithstem.com. Find out all about Latanya and everything and the books that she puts out, the two that we mentioned, and you have other stuff on here. Anything we should know about your your mission, your Grow With STEM mission? Buy the books, right? Well, no, I, I do have big, uh, other missions. I, I am in the process of completing the workbooks. And, and I, the thing I like about the workbooks is Adam Bum, he's on his way to become a mechanical engineer. And uh, I chose mechanical engineering specifically because of the spectrum that he was on in his personality. And he, he loved working with his hands. He had a very inquisitive nature. And this is one of those fields that's overlooked. But when employers look at it, because uh, people with autism are underemployed, vastly underemployed. And I want employers to know when you look at these people, look at the diversity that they bring, look at what they're bringing to the industry. They think outside of the box. I know they may not always be the best communicators, but surely you can benefit from a lot if you just give them a chance. For sure. And so, and so I, I, I really want to continue to advocate for them. And the book, the workbook that I'm creating, it's really like a journey. So you're learning as you're helping Adler how to become a mechanical engineer. So you're learning all of these things like simple machines and but all of this also aligned with the core curriculum that they have to learn in school. But same thing with Marisol, you're you're on a journey with her to become a chemical chemist, I'm sorry, uh, environmental chemist. And you're learning all of this stuff about atoms, matter, mass, but all of this stuff is aligned with the core curriculum. So you get to learn the things that, that they're teaching you in school, but you, you're also learning why it's important to, to know these things. And you're having fun helping someone. And I like to sprinkle tidbits of information about autism in the books too, I, because I just think that awareness is very, very critical and it's very important. The, the audience, I take it, is, is any child, not just someone with the, with the challenge. Is that right? Or? It's any child. And, and, and as I was saying, it lets people see the value that. So it, it, it's because not only do my books introduce uh, STEM into the curriculum and, and help you understand what the STEM careers are, it also introduces those SEL components, those social emotional learning components that schools are embracing these days where it teaches us how to be tolerant of each other, how to be kind, how to respect each other. And the thing for Adam is really there's things that makes us different. Those are the same things that makes us special. So I feel that any child could benefit from learning how to embrace the world and embrace each other. Yeah. I remember in the, the town where my son grew up, they were making a change to the educational program and it was going to be a, a budget cut and it was going to be bad, which is, 
which is uh, not new for any school district, really. Unfortunately, the special education programs rarely get priority. But at any rate, there was a meeting where, you know, some of us special needs parents were getting up and talking about how please don't change this program. And, you know, it's, we, it's of such value to our kids. But what we didn't realize was there were a bunch of parents of the typical kids, too, that came to that meeting. And they said they get, that their kids get so much out of being integrated with the special needs kids and learning from them and taking pride in being alongside them and learning with them. And, you know, we need it now more than ever. We need people that think differently in this country. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. <laughs> I mean, there's even I've, some some guy even who posed a theory to me. He said, do you think the country is so divided because, well, actually what he said was because of the autism is like sort of seeping into everybody. Everyone's seeing things in black and white. I changed his theory a little bit to say maybe the people with autism, are the, the people with autism, they don't care about politics or Twitter or anything like that. They, they, you know, they care about what they care about. And it's yeah. they're usually not getting hung up on all the things that many of us do. You know, my son is happy if he's got a bowl of spaghetti and he could listen to the Black Eyed Peas on his phone. And that's just about it. So anyway, sometimes we all need to think a little differently. So before we go, we're going to play a round of good stuff where both Latanya and I will recommend Something good for you, the listening audience, to check out. Before we do that, let me take you one minute to remind you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. It's a great way to connect with your network. If you're a lawyer, financial advisor, an entrepreneur, someone who wants to promote something, or someone that just wants to be in show business, we will send you out a microphone and get you started. You can do it from the comfort of your home or if you're near our Westwood Mass Studios. Latanya, that's not, it's kind of a schlep for you coming from uh, Texas, right? So I don't think that's why she's not in the studio today. But if you are interested in your own podcast, please do visit pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, in pod we trust. All right, let's play a round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. dancing too much because we're both suffering from allergies. So, Latanya, do you have something you can recommend to our audience? Yes. Okay. Channel 13, mm-hmm. ABC, The Good Doctor. The Good Doctor. Okay. Yes, I love that show. Part of our book was based on, I did research on that character to come up with the character in my book as well. It's personal. So it's, yeah, a young doctor who's on the autism spectrum. I admit that I tried this show once and I don't mean to be hypercritical. I think anything about autism is good. It's raising awareness, but he didn't seem very autistic to me, <laughs> the actor, but, but I, maybe I should have stuck with it longer. So why do you like the show? I like it because he actually did to me. He did fit the bill for some of the autistic students I've worked with, but he fit fit the bill for others. One of my best friend's son is almost exactly like the good Really? Okay. His communication style. And he's the one in the book. I have quotes from the people that inspired me. And his is, dear God, just know that I have no filter sometimes. Mm. And and good doctor, he has no filter. He when you say you think see things black and white, sometimes people want to hear the good news. He doesn't tell them what they want to hear. He tells them what it is. That's you know, right. he tells it like it is. 
And also, I noticed that some of the, many of the kids at our school, they're very sensitive to sound. So before there's, before there is a fire alarm or something like that, we have to let the teachers know so they can brace those kids. So I noticed that about him. He was hypersensitive to smell. And so I guess because I have had the pleasure of working with so many different autistic students that I could see bits and pieces of a lot of them inside of this one person. Mm. Yeah. Yes, but with the a lack of eye contact as well. I'm For sure. That. Yep. That's one of the the telltale signs. And uh, so maybe I should give the show a second thought, a second look, because it is, after all, the, the message is terrific in that, you know, here's a kid, a person who maybe isn't isn't the strongest in communicating, but the the depth of his skills in other places are going to be amazing. There's a show, there's a detective show called The Bridge, and it's a English slash French show. And the British cop is paired with this French cop. And the French cop is this young woman who talks in like very, very, she's very serious. She talks very staccato and she has trouble figuring out when her partner is like upset or whatever. And you soon realize that the character is on the autism spectrum, very high functioning. But it's kind of cool that these days we see characters with autism on TV shows because in the past it was completely ignored, misunderstood. You can thank Dustin Hoffman, who's the performance in Rain, yes. Rain Man. Was, yeah. I mean, it was just, that's what my son is like. My son is like uh, Raymond in in the, the Cruz Hoffman movie. And, you know, you can see in that movie showed they can have a sense of humor. They can certainly function and they, you know, they can be great friends. You know, they can be sources of comfort and love. And, oh, no, I'm thinking about my son. I'm very sad. Anyway. Okay. So I'll see him tomorrow. So anyway, I'm going to recommend a show that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I've, I was curious about it and then I got into it and now I'm in on episode four or five or something. It's very good. It's called something about Pam. It's based on a podcast yeah, about uh, a woman who has apparently done something horrible, even though she portrays herself as a upstanding member of society. It stars Renee Zellweger. Now, Latanya, do you know where Renee Zellweger is from? Texas. Te not only Texas, Katie, Texas. How about that? That's right. Shout out to Katie. So I, I did that for you, as far as you know. And uh, let's take a quick listen to the trailer for The Thing. Oh, it's called The Thing About Pam. And uh, here's a little bit. Let's wait till you hear this. 911, what's your emergency? My wife. That's it. She's dead. There's been a murder, a homicide, like... A big one. Oh, my God, what happened? Some lady got stabbed. You said you didn't take Betsy home. Who dropped her off? Her friend, Pam. Thanks for the ride, Pam. Pam? Pam Hop. You mind spelling that for me? H-U-P-P. -P. she ever violent with Betsy? I don't know. He seemed real aggressive. You know the type. The truth will come out. I didn't do this. We're going to make sure he pays for what he's done. Four days before he killed her. Betsy changed the beneficiary from Russ to Pam. <laughs> now you can afford that facelift you've been wanting. I don't know what you're even talking about. Well, your face does. <laughs> Oops. It, it is sort of a black comedy. It's not supposed to be funny, but it does have funny moments. And it's told, you haven't seen this yet, have you, LaTanya? Or have you? I've seen the previews. I haven't seen it. Okay. 
yeah, it's it's worth watching. It's on, I believe it's on Hulu, um, also on Peacock, apparently. Anyway, you'll find out the thing about Pam. And it's told kind of interesting fashion because th- there are no spoilers here. First of all, it's a true story. But from the very beginning, you know there is a murder. From the beginning, very beginning, you know the husband is accused. And you basically know that he didn't do it. And you basically know who did do it. And so it's like, did they just give up the whole show in the first five minutes? No, because then you start to see the 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 scheme, her Pam's scheme and how she does it and how and then it's a battle to see if the truth will actually come out. And it's very well done. So that's my uh, recommendation. So you should check that out. But before you do that, you need to check out uh, Latanya's books again. Please do go to growwithstem.com. Is there a better way to promote it, uh, Latanya, or is that it? And they're also available on Amazon. Okay. Well, wherever you find, find books. Latanya, you were an awesome guest. You lifted my spirits today. Uh, You made me forget about my allergies. Maybe I've made you forget about yours. Did you have a good time? I really did. Thank you. Very good. Well, stay on the the Zoom call for a minute, and I'll properly say goodbye to you. For now, I'll say goodbye to our listeners. Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. And if you want your own show, go to pod617.com to get started. On behalf of Latanya, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a good day, everybody. Everybody.